Our um, passage today is 1 John 2, 3 through 11. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we uh, come every week, we come here, uh, and at this portion of the service, we have heard your word read, and now we want to hear from you what you have to say to us. and how you would speak to us, how these, these words that were written by uh, John centuries ago still have relevance uh, for our lives today. Uh, and so we need your help. Father, I need your help to be able to communicate uh, this, what, what John was saying to us in a, way that, um, in a way that resonates with our hearts, and only you can do that. So would you please uh, teach us? Uh, through John's word and through the sermon. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So you've probably heard the phrase, uh, actions speak louder than words. Familiar? You've said that phrase at some point, right? Uh, so you can imagine you got a friend who says, hey, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, but then you find out that they're gossiping about you behind your back. Actions speak louder than words, right? Uh, even in the story of the Bible, we see, uh, we see instances of this, right? Peter says to Jesus, I will not deny you, Right? Those are his words, but his actions say that he'll not just deny Jesus one time, but actually he'll deny him three times. Uh, and what that, kind of the, the driving point of that first is really that you, how we live our lives is really important. We can say that we walk with Jesus. We can say that God's love has changed our hearts. We can say that we are walking in the light, but our actions need to demonstrate that that is the case. That is the point that John is making as he continues uh, to work out the implications of the message that they have heard from the beginning, uh, that message for the life of these Christians, uh, these women and men who are seeking to follow Jesus uh, in the churches of Asia Minor, uh, that are dealing with division, schism, but also just like the struggle of being a church, right? Like being a, a, a diverse group of people that are brought together uh, and it takes work and effort to be able to be a church. And he's trying to write to them about the fellowship that they have together. So we looked at that word fellowship two weeks ago and we looked at that word fellowship. We said that a fellowship has to do with a, a working towards a common purpose, But the fellowship is, uh, first of all, it's vertical, 
right? We said that it is a relationship, a fellowship that we have with God. A God enters into fellowship with us because of what Jesus has done. And because uh, I enter into that and you enter into that and you enter into that and you enter into that, that then that also means that the fellowship that we have is horizontal. Uh, that means that we are in fellowship with people who are like us and people who are not like us. Uh, in many, many different ways. And so in that respect, we said that the fellowship is also multicultural, right? It's multicultural because God is bringing different people with different cultures together. And that's not just true of us as an individual church, but it's also true the fact that there are many churches in San Diego, many churches in the United States, many, many churches around the world with whom we have fellowship and yet they're very, very different, speaking different languages, different cultural customs, and what have you. And then finally, we said that this fellowship that we have is something that we have to strive for, something that we have to, we have to uh, strive to maintain it with those whom we already have it. And it is something that we have to strive in inviting other people to be a part of it as well. And so in that respect, this fellowship is also missional. Uh, so last week we talked about this idea of light and darkness and how the, the themes of light and darkness kind of play this out. And what we said was that when you look at John saying, um, you know, that, that uh, Jesus is light, there is no darkness in him. And what we saw from scripture is that when you trust in Jesus, we become light. We are transformed. And when we become light, then that means that darkness can't be in us as well because light drives darkness away. Well, John's going to make the same point this morning, but today he's not going to use only the theme of light and darkness. He is going to use the theme of light and darkness, but he's also going to use the themes of love and hate. Remember what we said, John is not Paul. Paul is very like linear in his thinking, you know, here's point one, here's point two, here's point three. John kind of meanders around the point. Uh, and so you're, you're going to be like, didn't we talk about light and darkness last week? Right, but John's not done talking about light and darkness, right? Uh, you're going to see, we're going to talk about love today. And if you're paying attention, you're going to see I'm quoting from 1 John 3 and 1 John 4. John loves to just kind of rehash the argument again and again. And each time he does that, he's giving you a little bit more of what it is that he's trying to say. All right, so what we're going to do this morning, I am a linear thinker. So I'm going to give you three points. Uh, I'm also a Presbyterian, so I got three points. Uh, so the first point, we're going to talk about the importance of this command. So, so the command in particular, uh, John's talking about the commands in general, but he's really drawing our attention to the command for love. Uh, so we're going to see, first of all, why it's important. Uh, so the importance of the command. Secondly, where it comes from, what's the source, uh, the origin of the command. Uh, and then finally, we're going to see how do you live that out. Okay, so John talks about these three things. So first of all, we have, and I invite you to have your Bible open. Slides weren't working today. Our computer revolted against us. Um, so if you have a Bible open, I invite you to, to follow along with me as we read verses three to six. We know that we have come from him. Uh, I'm sorry. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what, the, uh, do, does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Uh, actions speak louder than words, right? If you say that you are in fellowship with God, if you say that you're in fellowship with Jesus, then how you live really matters. And it's important here as we jump into this, you, not to forget what John just finished saying. 
right? We started reading at verse 3, but remember what he said in verses 1 and 2. Dear children, I write so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Remember, that's the word paraclete. We have a paraclete with the Father, Jesus, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. So the gospel, this good news that God has positioned Jesus as this person who's uniquely capable of being the one who comes alongside you and help you with your sin. He is the one that you're in fellowship with, and because you're in fellowship with him, how you live matters. So the order, the, the order of events is that you are, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for your sin. You experience forgiveness. Because you experience forgiveness, you're brought into fellowship, Okay, And then because you have fellowship, the way that you live matters. It is not, it is not that you obey, that the way you live matters so that then you can find forgiveness and so hopefully you can get fellowship. That's not the order, right? The order is forgiveness that brings you into fellowship and that fellowship then translates into a changed type of life. Now, there are three words that John uses that have a lot of overlap, and yet there's a little bit of a distinction. It's almost like, you know, you're watching your favorite, um, your favorite sport, your favorite game, your favorite team, right? And there's an instant replay. Uh, and now with this amazing technology, you can, look at, you can look at the instant replay from like every single possible angle that you could never do when I was growing up, right? When most of us were growing up. So these three words are, in a sense, they're like that, that multiple angle on the life, Okay, they're, they're giving you different vantage points to help us understand what it looks like. And the three words are truth, commands, and word. John uses these three words uh, in his argument. Uh, and uh, Karen Jobes and her commentary was super helpful for me. And so I'm citing her so that you can't accuse me of plagiarism because I'm totally stealing from her. Uh, so she says that truth is not simply just a collection of facts. But remember, last week we said that truth is something that is lived out, right? That for, the, for, the, uh, for John and for his contemporaries, truth expresses itself in how you live. So there, it's not just cognitive, it's, it's your life. Then secondly, commands. Uh, so commands are not just the rules and regulations that are given in Scripture. It is that. There are, there are commands, Uh, However, commands have to be understood as also being driven through faith in Jesus and love for Jesus. This is why in 1 John 3, uh, John writes this, this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So the commands, this is like totally in line with Jesus when he says, hey, what's the the main commands? And he says what? Love. We're going to see that in a second. Right, so the commands find their fulfillment in love. It's not just a bunch of rules that you follow. It's how you express love to other people. And then the word, uh, again, words are not just characters written on a page. Uh, it, words are not just the vibration of my voice that you're hearing and your brain is translating and bringing it together to form words. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. Uh, and so it is as you and I uh, 
live the truth. It is as you and I embody the command of love. It is as you and I believe the word, right? And as people in fellowship with one another see that happening, that that instant replay comes and says from all these different angles, this is what, this is why the command matters, right? Because it speaks to who we believe God is. It speaks to our relationship to God. This is why John goes on to say a little bit later, right? Uh, In chapter four, dear friends, since God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. All right, so that's the first point. Why is it important? Because of what it says about our relationship with God. The, The horizontal element of fellowship speaks to the vertical element of fellowship, right? How we love one another speaks to the love that we have of God. The love that we have of God gets expressed in the way that we love one another. Now, John goes on, uh, John goes on to say that this is not anything new. What does he say? He says, dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one. You've had it since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard, yet I am writing you a new command. It is truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Okay, so which is it? Is it new or is it not new? Yes, it's both. Uh, as so often is the case, you, we sit in the tension. So how is this not new? Three ways that I think it's not new. So first of all, it's not new. The command of love is not new because uh, for many of us, coming to a place of faith in Christ understanding that through the lens of love was really, really important. So from one vantage point, we can say that understanding love and the love of God and the love we're supposed to have one another, for many of us, was the entry point of faith, right? So think, of, think of the importance of John 3.16 uh, as a passage that so many of us have had as integral to our journey of faith and coming to faith in Jesus, right? God loved the world and gave his only begotten son, uh, but then uh, we, we kind of take another step back and we see that this is not a new command because this is what Jesus himself taught. Uh, Jesus himself taught about the importance of love. So in Matthew 22, uh, we have this scene where the religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus. And so they're peppering him with questions. Uh, and as they're peppering him with questions, it says that they were trying to test him uh, because they wanted to give, they wanted basically, they wanted Jesus to trip over his words so that he would say something and then they could say, aha, gotcha. Uh, and so they asked Jesus this question, teacher, what is the greatest command? That was a gotcha question. Uh, and Jesus, he doesn't fall for it, right? So what Jesus does is instead of saying, well, the first commandment is the most important commandment, the fifth commandment is the most important commandment, you know, the commandment for purity, these are the most important commandments. Jesus says, no, love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so from another perspective, we can say that this is not a new command because this is what Jesus himself taught. But Jesus didn't come up with that out of thin air. Right? Jesus is quoting from the first five books of Moses. Jesus is quoting from the earliest teachings that are, that are written down for God's people. 
He's quoting from Deuteronomy uh, 6, chapter 5, about loving God. He's quoting from Leviticus 19, verse 18, about loving neighbor. And so these commands are not new because they, they go all the way back to God calling people out of Egypt and forming them into a nation. These are the commands that have shaped God's people since they were a thing. And so in that respect, these commands are not new. Okay, so then how are they new? Well, he tells us, right, these things are new because, well, how does, he, how does he put it? He says, yet I'm writing a new command. It's truth is seen in him. Who is the him? It's Jesus, right? The, the command takes on new life. The command takes on new meaning because of the gospel. The command takes new shape because we understand who it is that Jesus is and what it is that he has done. And so, um, and so it's important for us to realize, okay, when he says new command, right, if you are, if you're a student of the Bible, if you're reading John's writings in particular, uh, that phrase, new command, should immediately have a little bell go off, right? If you've, if you've, if, if as, as a group of people that would have likely read John's gospel account, they're hearing that and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, we've heard that phrase before. And they heard it from Jesus' lips himself. John chapter 13, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. Okay, well, what's new about this command that we just saw goes all the way back to the Pentateuch. What's new is this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What's new about the command is that the command is now filtered through the death, burial, resurrection, and future return of Jesus, right? The love command is now filtered through the gospel. It is because of Jesus' love for you and me. So this is like taking us full circle, right? We're doing a John move right now. We're going right back to the beginning of the sermon, right? It is forgiveness. It is Jesus. It is the work he does that brings us into fellowship, And that fellowship then translates into lives that are lived out of love. Now, the reality is, let's just be honest, right, that that we can look at and realize, like, hey, like, that doesn't always get it played out in real life, right? Many of us um, have had personal experiences where we've been uh, part of churches uh, and have been deeply hurt, by what has happened in churches. Many of us, maybe that's not been our own personal experience, but we have family or friends who have found themselves uh, hurt by things that have happened uh, either uh, uh, institutionally as churches, you know, as institutions do things that are not wise and good or uh, because of individual and personal relationships. And so we have to recognize that this message is a message that we have to hear today, right? This is not just John speaking to Christians a couple thousand years ago. The importance of these words, the weight of these words still land heavily for us today as a church. In the same way that that Jesus is light and through faith in him you are transformed into light, 1 Thessalonians 5, so that then your light can shine in the darkness, Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, Jesus is love, that God is love, and his love transforms us 
so that we can walk in love, so that we can love one another as Christ has loved us. And so the origin of the command is the gospel. The origin of the command is what Jesus Christ has done for you, even though at the same time it goes all the way back to the beginning. But side note, right? God gave the command to love to, the, uh, to Israel in the Old Testament after they had been redeemed from Egypt. So even that command was situated, was placed in God's redemptive act of bringing people out of physical slavery, which is a prefiguration of the gospel, in the same way for us, right, today, it comes out of Jesus' bringing us out of the slavery of sin. That, that's a whole rabbit trail. I will not go down because we'll be here for an hour. Um, so what have we seen so far? Uh, first point, why is this command important? Like, why does John care? Uh, he says it's important because of what it says about God, about the fellowship that we have with one another, but the fellowship that we have with God. Where does this command come from? It, it, it's as old as time, right? It goes all the way back to the beginning of how God works with his people. But, but because of the gospel, because of Jesus, it takes on new meaning, new, new insight, new weight, because the command to love is now filtered not by go love so that you can get God to forgive you so you can have fellowship with people, but rather you've been loved. And so because of the love that you've received now and let that love overflow. All right, so then how do we do it? How do we keep this command? This is what John says. He says, anyone who claims to, uh, to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Uh, so this is the part where you're like, wait a minute, we just talked about light and darkness, and John's like, yeah, let's bring these themes together. Let's mash them up because by bringing them together, you, we get a better understanding of what it is that we're being told. Light drives darkness away. Love drives hate away. God's people are light. They live in light. They walk in light. And so therefore, they drive the darkness away. That is what it means to be a Jesus follower. That is what it means to be a Christian. In the same way, we live in love. And when we live love, that drives hate away. Now, in this particular passage, the emphasis is on love for one another, love for other Christians, love within the context of the church. Uh, however, we can't divorce that from the rest of Jesus' teaching. Right? We know in Jesus' teaching, we know in the teaching of the New Testament that we are called in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're called to love our enemies, right? We know in Matthew 22, uh, that same section where Jesus gets tripped up, and you know, he says, what does he quote? He quotes uh, Leviticus, he says, you're called to love your neighbor. And he tells an entire parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, in order to illustrate for us what love of neighbor looks like. So, so I'm gonna focus on love of one another, but understand that, where we can't totally divorce these other areas of love from this conversation. It's not this or that, it's all of them together. But John is writing to churches that are experiencing friction and division because of things that are happening. 
Uh, and so he's trying to land with them and say, hey, how you treat each other in the context of this local church, how you treat other Christians and other little house churches, because that's what they would have been, uh, these things really, really matter. And he says, don't hate. Now, the entirety of Scripture's teaching on love is not simply don't hate. I mean, that's important, right? But Scripture's teaching about love is much more expansive than simply don't do that. Scripture's teaching about love teaches us that our words matter, uh, right? We have all 1 Corinthians 13 that lays out all of the different ways in which we rejoice, we keep no record of wrong, we forgive. So love in part is how we use our words with other people. Love is also how it is that we think about other people, right? We, we sometimes, you know, you, I, I do this. I don't know if maybe you're guilty of this, right? But, but somebody does something or says something and I will catastrophize in my head what's going on, right? I'll, I'll be like, oh, then this, oh, and then this, and then they're gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. And it just, like, it, it, it devolves really fast. Is it just me? Oh gosh, I feel a little embarrassed. Evidently, it's just me. Um, so, right, if to love our neighbor, to love one another means that in our thoughts, we're careful about what we think. To love our neighbor, to love one another means that in our attitudes, we also are careful, right? Forgiveness and forbearance are dispositions that we are to have. They flow out of love. Uh, and then even in this passage, right, John, or in this letter, John says in John 13, uh, don't just love with words, love with action and truth. And so loving one another uh, can sometimes be a very physical, very tangible thing, right? Love for one another can be something as simple and yet profound as signing up for a meal train. Um, and that's just one example of a host of different examples of how love gets uh, fleshed out in the context of a local church. Now, last week, I made a reference to uh, one of these kind of, social, uh, kind of cultural things that's happening uh, in American Christianity. It's not just in American Christianity, but it's happening in American Christianity, right? Where, where uh, sociologists and people who study uh, kind of religious movements are talking about the de-churching uh, that's been happening, right? And that's, that is that, that for a host of different reasons, uh, people are, are, are leaving churches. Uh, at the, the, and this, I think this is true of Harbor, right? If you look, if you take a sample in time of how many people were worshiping at Harbor before the pandemic, and you take a sample in time today, there are fewer people here and this is true across the board with churches uh, in the country. And so my, 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 uh, my guess is that many of you know somebody, either a friend or a, a relative, who has, for any number of different reasons, have said, hey, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, so Christianity Today just this week had an article uh, called, uh, what was it called? Uh, church attendance, oh, it's called uh, Conscious Uncoupling. Uh, was the name of the article. Uh, and this is what they wrote, and this is what the author, one quote from the article, uh, he, he wrote, for whatever reason, busyness, laziness, fatigue, deconstruction, or trauma, many have abandoned ship for now. Some say they want to stay involved in Christian activities but never quite make it happen, or they intend to re-engage once, once they get fresh bearings, but the future hasn't arrived, and perhaps it never will. So I started off by suggesting to you that the fellowship, that this is going all the way back to the first sermon in the series, that the fellowship that you and I have is a fellowship worth fighting for. 
right? That it's a fellowship that gets expressed in love, that it's a fellowship that we have with God and then gets played out in the way that we treat other people. May I suggest to you that one way to express love, right, is to, is to think and pray, well, who are the people in your life who are on the fringes of a church? And I'm not just talking about Harbor, but they're on the fringes of the church, And what they need is somebody to step into their lives and be a physical expression of the kind of love that John is talking about. Love that does not hate. Love that is thoughtful and kind. Love that is willing to to receive the hurt and yet point to Jesus. Right? Could you imagine if we as a church were committed to say like, hey, um, we're going to strive to be a community that will step into the uncomfortableness of this? Uh, and have these types of conversations, not to have a getcha, not to prove a point, but because we've been called to love one another, right? And there are brothers and sisters who love Jesus who, for any number of different reasons, are struggling to follow him right now. Uh, and, And we're here and we're in the room. And maybe that's true of you. Like, I recognize that maybe you're here today and you're like, dude, you're talking about me. Um, and, and so like, look, we're, we're, I'm not saying we're going to do it perfectly, but I, I hope that we will be the kind of church that will love other people well as they wrestle through this. And if that's where you're at, if you're not ready to talk about it, that's okay. Um, but if you are, like, I'm not even, like, you don't have to come talk to me. I mean, you can, I would love for you to, but you don't have to come talk to me, right? Because I believe that God's spirit is working through all of us uh, to be able to be that kind of church, right? That's, that's what John is laying out for. John is laying out for the churches in Asia Minor, and he's inviting you and me today to be that kind of church that walks in love and walks in love in the uncomfortable places uh, to help people stay in that fellowship that we have with Jesus and with one another. Uh, so I invite you to walk with me uh, as we seek to walk with Jesus in love. All right, let's pray. Uh, gracious God, we thank you for the love that you have for us, a love that is... Uh, amazing. Um, we sang a little while ago that, that uh, we want to be known as Christians who are known by their love. Uh, a great song, a wonderful sentiment, but we don't just want it to be a sentiment. Uh, we want it to be something that is true of us. Uh, and so, Lord, please help us to walk in love uh, as Jesus walked in love. We pray this in his name. Amen.